0: Hello, friends. This is TJ Murphy and welcome to another episode of Adventurous Entrepreneurs. My guest today is Brock Shadler. Walking away from a lucrative $100,000 signing bonus, Brock chose to take a year off traveling the world and ultimately embarking on a journey that led him to start his own consulting business. After napalming all safety nets in his life, Brock went through a transformation from a scared employee to a fearless entrepreneur. That ultimately sparked a passion for installing predictable lead generation systems tailored for coaches and consultants to help them triple sales in 45 days for one fifth the cost of hiring a manager. Just a few of the golden takeaways Brock shares in this episode are lessons learned from traveling the world with nothing but what he could fit in a plastic garbage bag, why authenticity is a superpower and how to tap into it, and practical tips you can apply today to become better at sales. So, without further ado, This is me and Brock Shadler. Welcome to the Adventurous Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Murphy. Since quitting my corporate nine to five and starting a business while backpacking through Asia back in early 2017, I've had the privilege of learning from some incredibly adventurous entrepreneurs. Through these conversations and my own journey, I've learned that much like in life, entrepreneurship is an adventure. On this podcast, I explore the journeys of top performing leaders in their fields. These wide ranging conversations include tactical business advice, how I built this insights, lessons in leadership, life hacks travel stories favorite hobbies and insights into living a purposeful and joy-filled life adventures await us so let's dive in hey hey brock welcome to adventurous entrepreneurs hey
1: what's happening tj good to be here man
0: good to have you here man good to have Mm -hmm. you here so we met a few weeks back and you gave me just a glimpse of the unbelievable journey that you've been on so i'd like to start there and to tee this up Let's start with you walking away from a $100,000 signing bonus to travel the world, literally taking a year off from work, carrying only what you're able to fit in a plastic garbage bag. Like, give us a little bit of background (laughs) on on what you were doing before that, what you did on this year-long adventure, and then what that journey ultimately led
1: you to be focusing on today. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, we are we are jumping right into the meat of it. Uh, that's what I like to do. I, I did want to <laughs> note your complexion looks perfect. I don't know if it's a filter. I don't know if it's the San Diego no, Man, sun, but I think it's I got just- I got
0: a little sun. I got a little sun. I got my ring light. It's
1: uh-huh. I don't know. I appreciate that's the- what I should have done. <laughs> should have brought in the ring light. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, in terms of the the bonus, um, that whole journey that sent me off, where should where should I pick up?
0: Man, like so what were you before doing? That, what were you doing before the trip? And then yeah, where where yeah. did it take you?
1: Yeah. So um been in sales a very long time. You know, I think like many, I got into sales because you know, that's the only job that's always hiring. You yeah. know, I was at a point where I was applying to laundromats, applying to, you know, uh you know, do groceries at Albertsons, like in Boise, Idaho, you know, I was just like looking for any job running out of money. And I applied for the only job that's always hiring, which is door-to-door sales or commission only sales. And, uh, didn't know it at the time, but my parents were quite embarrassed of me around that. And they actually told me later, I was like, okay, thanks for not telling me during that probably would have really (laughs) spun me out, but they were supportive. And yeah, I just, you know, I kind of was fortunate that I've had good mentors around me. I mean, as soon as I started that, uh, you know, I ended up knocking on a door of the top sales guys for Vivint smart home systems. So I knocked on that guy's door, didn't know what was, what the future held. I just knew that I was a month into this, didn't know what I was doing, but I was hungry. I knew that I was hungry back against the wall. I was willing to do whatever it took to figure this thing out. And this guy took me in and he's like, you're in the wrong industry the right industry, the wrong product, brings me in, shows me his sales team, shows me his check that he had made. And that inspired me. And I was on a plane the next day to California um, to go train and learn door-to-door home security sales. And that kind of led me on a journey to uh, ended up managing, I was with the company for about three years, ended up managing a team for them in Hawaii for a couple of years, which was cool. Um, Bouncing around all the islands and that was a great experience, and that was around the time that solar was getting really hot. Mm-hmm. So Vivint created an arm of solar. I was interested in that. Solar City was, you know, really running the show at that time with their door-to-door operation, which they've since shut. Uh, Elon Musk's company, yeah. and I was a total Elon Musk fanboy, and I was like, ooh, you know, if I'm gonna do solar, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go work for the best. You know, and no knock to my my guys at Vivint still selling there, but that was my that was my perspective at the time. So I I jumped ship. I uh, went over to a recruiting event in San Francisco, joined the team there, and I basically started all over. I didn't take any of my accolades with me. I didn't take any of my management with me. I started back at the bottom, and it was a risk I was willing to take because I was just like, this is an industry I want to be in, and I'm willing to start at the bottom if that's what it is. That's what I have to do. And yeah, I think uh, within six months, I was already a regional uh, manager uh, of the company, building out a team in Bakersfield, um, partially because looping back to uh, meeting my men- my first mentor and manager, Jason Newby at Vivint, uh, I had learned door-to-door sales in Bakersfield, which if you know much about California, it's not the most desirable location. Some people yeah. say it's the armpit of California. Some <laughs> people say this, some people say that. But what I knew is that there was a lot of young folks with money, big oil industry, very spread out. When you look at California as a whole, it's built very spread out, big rooftops, big houses, and a lot of young guys could afford homes. So it was growing really quickly. And it's a hot climate yep. generally, right? as does well for solar. So, yeah. So it wasn't a desirable location. And I mean, I think a lesson in there to, to folks that are wanting to move up is, you know, do things that others weren't willing to do, or sometimes be willing to do the work that's not as sexy as the other work. And sometimes, you know, there's high-paying jobs out there just simply for doing doing something harder or something perceived to be more difficult or less desirable than other roles. And so I took that and I ran with it. Um, ended up managing a team. We ended up building. I had a partner at the time. We ended up building the largest uh, uh, solar door-to-door team in Solar Cities company. We wow. We're doing quite well. And that leads into uh, the pivotal moment uh, for for really my journey and kind of finding myself and, um, really getting out of the country and, and, uh, traveling. Uh, but yeah, it was about that time we were, we were, I mean, it was at the peak, we were killing it. We were growing at breakneck speeds and making more money times. personally
0: than you'd ever made. I would yeah.
1: imagine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely making the most, I made it at a time by leaps and bounds and we were starting to get noticed, you know, we were getting recognized and companies were approaching us and I kind of brushed them all off because I was happy where I was. Um, and my partner at the time was really, you know, he was like, Hey, we really should fill these offers because the offers were heating up. We were getting some pretty, some pretty great, you know, offers thrown our way to kind of buy us out and bring us in. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but he kind of negotiated a different role, pitched it to me. And yeah, I, I ended up taking an offer at a company to go run a a team for them. It was like a Sunrun company and they, yeah, I mean, it was I'm 20, I'm 24 at this time. Wow. I think I'm 24, 25, maybe max. And these guys offered me a hundred thousand dollars. You know, they wired me a hundred grand just to come manage their team and bring my team with me. And that was a really hard thing to turn down at that time. And I I really, waited. I really weighed it. Cause I, in my heart and in my gut, I didn't want to move. Uh, but the money definitely talked and I made the move. And of course, All my worst fears were confirmed when none of my all-star players, because they didn't receive a check per hundred grand, you know, they were happy where they were at. We had built good culture. We had had a great team. And so I lost really um, the majority of my A players and kind of took over a lot of the folks that were kind of on their way out, sad to say, but a lot of the folks that weren't really getting their footing yet, they were the ones that came over to the new company. Um, And just kind of seeing how things were done over there. It was a total culture differentiator. Um, it just didn't really pan out. And I had some sleepless nights tossing and turning, sweating and being like, I, I made the wrong decision, um, which in hindsight, it's like, it's exactly the decision that I needed to put me on my path. It was a great learning moment. And it was really the moment for me was just, you know, knowing to never take the money again, you know, do, do what feels right in your gut. Uh, but I, but I had to learn that lesson the hard way. So I did the hardest thing I could imagine and I pulled out of the company. I wired them the money back and I took a year off of sales (laughs) because now I'd lost my role and I quit my new role and all the goodwill I had built, all the, you know, momentum I had built, it was all gone. And I was really questioning, what do I do next? Do I get out of sales? Do I get into a different field? Do I just do something completely different altogether? I don't know, but I need time to figure it out. So it was about that time. I had a buddy invite me to Thailand. It was a two week trip. Yeah. Good place to go find yourself. (laughs) Good place to go find yourself. And, uh, you know, a baller on a budget. It was good timing. Um, I jumped on that, went out there with two buddies and two weeks later, I'm on an island, you know, Koh Tao getting my dive cert yeah planning on becoming a dive instructor at this point I'm like embrace it I'm going to be a dive instructor I'm doing my search and rescue doing all my certs and um two weeks is up and my buddies we wake up at our little you know hostel and they're like all right let's go man we got to catch this boat we got to get to Bangkok by you know tomorrow at this time blah 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 I'm just like you know what guys I'm not going yeah I'm gonna stay I'm not going, and they're like, dude, come on man Like you're an idiot. Let's go. And I'm like, no, I'm staying. And so they couldn't fight me out of it. and they they headed off, and that's what started a, a year-long trip through Southeast Asia and just kind of getting to know myself, getting out there a little bit, um making a bunch of new friends and meeting a lot of other people on the other side of, of business who work remote. It really opened my eyes to remote work and remote sales and a whole nother world that I just, you know, you don't really know when you're living under a rock. Living in Bakersfield, you know, going door to door every day selling solar.
0: Gosh, I mean, it's like it's so. I mean, totally different, but just like a mirror of of my story. Not not going door to door sales like you did, which, man, if you want to learn sales, everyone I've ever talked to that's good at sales says go get a door to door sales job because that's that's where you make it or break it, especially in a school of hard knocks, man. School of hard knocks, man. But no, Mm -hmm. I mean we. My wife and I were doing the corporate grind in in the Bay Area, and after about a year, we realized, man, we don't love living in the city. We thrive outside with access to to nature, which you live here in Ben, you know know yep. what that's all about. And we just we knew we weren't going to be sticking on the trajectory we were on, so we sold off most of our stuff. We put our love two it. weeks in and, and went bought a one way ticket to indonesia which ultimately led to 14 months backpacking through southeast asia which led me to where i am today starting this business mm-hmm. so i mean i know what that's like but mm-hmm. taking the leap is scary and i remember Super scary everybody told me man what are you what are you doing like you're just starting a yeah. career how are you gonna go off and travel like it's gonna totally set you back what was yeah. your mindset like like what were you did you have a plan to spend a year at that moment when your friends were leaving or Mm-mm. just like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but.
1: No, I'm I going. had a round trip ticket. I was going for two weeks, 14 days, you know, it was to go there and just get my mind off things. Yeah. Um, which, which happened, you know, getting out there and connecting with nature, getting out and just exploring a new culture. It it really helped me to start focusing back on myself, you know, and getting clear about like what I wanted to do. Um, and then I kind of like put off the whole, you know, like soul search and and mission and just kind of for a moment, just focused on enjoying life, yeah. you know, cause it's so easy to get caught into the hustle, bustle, the grind, and yeah. it was very healing and I wanted more of it, you know, and I ran it about as thin as I could, you know, being overseas for a year, just going through savings. Granted, Southeast Asia is quite cheap. Your money goes you can a lot it, further. Make it
0: happen for a lot yeah, longer. Yeah, you can make <laughs> it
1: happen, but I was definitely getting to the kind of end of the line there. And that was when I started, you know, fortunately I I bumped into so many great people who were traveling and had their own journeys. And I was learning a lot from them and finding out kind of how they were able to continue traveling. And that was, I had the travel bug at this point. I'm like, how do I continue this? You know, how do I, how do I take this to another country? And I was still, um, you know, under 30, so I could apply for a work visa. So I ended up taking some advice from other travelers and getting on a work visa to go check out Australia and then um moving to Australia, it was like, okay, I I need to you know get into some work yeah, and so need to I make some money here. To, yeah, <laughs> so I, I kind of went right back to what was familiar and ended up working at a, a solar company. And uh, it was really only like a couple couple months, I think, maybe, yeah, about about two months working there, and it was like the complete, you know opposite of what I was used to doing in the states, like in the states you get paid for yeah. solar here, it was like a hundred dollars a deal. And I was oh like, God. okay, I'm not going to be living very nice. You know, I was literally, yeah. I was living in like a a broken down, like converted shed. You know, it was like someone's garage that they had split into multiple units. It was on the yeah. back of their house. It had a gas leak. Like it had a sign on the front with like, Hey, warning gas leak. And I was like, cool. I'm going to like blow up or just, yeah. you know, breathe, breathe in too many gas might not wake up one morning. Hopefully nobody's was, smoking it back there. <laughs> yeah. It, it was bad. And I was, I was living off of like discounted meats from the grocery store, you know, like I was living very as bare minimum, you know, I was, I only had what I'd carried over from my garbage bag, you know, from Vietnam and which is a whole nother story. I mean, I got my, when I first went to Thailand, I did have a bag, by the way, I did bring a duffel bag, but it got stolen in Cambodia. Um, with a, a number of things in it. So I only had a few pairs of clothes. So I was just going to the Salvation Army, buying used clothes, just living a very, very simple uh, life, just getting by. Yeah. And I kind of, after a couple months, I realized like, okay, I'm really not living up to my potential. It's time to get serious again. And so I started applying for jobs again. And that's when I got into digital marketing, ended up getting a job at a company called King Kong over there. Um, the founder had a pretty big vision, I was like, okay, seems like there's something here. I was the seventh employee. And then we ended up taking that business from, we were doing about $100,000 a month in sales with a team of three guys when I got there to doing over 2 million in sales per month by the time I left uh, six and a half years later. So quite, growth. quite wild, you know, growth is a wild ride. And I definitely got lucky, very, very, very lucky to have picked a, an agency that was growing at that speed. Because a lot of founders have these big ideas and it never comes to fruition, you know. So I wasn't sure hard. What, what I was on. You know, it's hard too. It's hard. You can have a big hard vision world. and it may not really play out. But but this guy really um, threw down, and so I was really fortunate. I learned learned a ton, you know, learned a ton there. What what it, what do you think it was that motivated you guys to like get out of the corporate world? Like, what was the defining factor that was like, okay, let's let's move on. Let's go try something different.
0: I think for us, it was just realizing that being in the city wasn't going to be living our best life. Like we, we were never going to thrive where all of the corporate opportunity was. This was, you know, still back. I mean, it was back in 2016, like remote work was a thing, but it wasn't anywhere near to the degree it is today. Yeah. And it's not the
1: standard. Yeah, it, it wasn't
0: the standard. And and so we yeah. knew we were going to be moving and looking for other opportunity. And we'd always said, you know, we don't want to sacrifice living our best life and, and exploring life one adventure at a time now for the payoff of doing it when we retire and, and have our, our savings and all that. So traveling yeah. was always something that we knew we wanted to do together. And we said, if not now, then, you know, when, yeah. like, we're just going to yeah. keep keep putting it off we have no kids we have no nothing weighing us down no mortgage to pay like let's let's get lean let's let's get rid of stuff that we don't need let's go well we saved up we had to save up obviously like you can make your your dollar last over in southeast asia but we still Mm -hmm. needed a good good chunk of change in the bank so we spent about a year just living minimally in the bay which kind of hard to do but you know we just stopped yeah, what is, eating out what limited
1: in the bay look like oh my yeah, god, just not yeah. god out, not, not basically yeah 50 not, to 100 on spending a lunch.
0: money yeah not doing a whole lot of fun things which yeah you know the reward was worth it but yeah that was it man we just we decided like this needs to happen now and throughout that trip and you know really to this day it just helped us realize that this is something that we want to be designing our life around like we want to yeah. be able to be flexible we want to be able to serve people and and create value no matter where we are in the world so yeah I think my business wants me to be anywhere my wife works remotely and can work anywhere that's that's what we yeah. do
1: I love the term like uh something to design our life around I think yeah I think a lot of people kind of forget that we're you know we're the captains of our fate you know we're in control of this this ship and and our journey and I think it's easy to kind of fall victim to wherever you're at and forget that like okay well take that moment you know and maybe for me it was that moment of a year off of work which i know not all people could just take a year off work like right now at the drop of a hat but like you guys did you guys planned yeah you a plan, plan around for it. it it was a plan and i was fortunate that i didn't have to plan i just went on a whim granted if i had more money saved up would that have been a better experience Sure, maybe. Maybe I went for it. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe yeah. Not. yeah, who knows? You know, um, definitely finding out what I was capable of living off of. Like, you know, I was staying at places for extended periods of time where it was $2 a night. Yep. You know, places where it was, you know, glorified tent, you know, and and that was all I needed, you know, and learning to live off of less was definitely a lesson in its own right. But I love the the phrase there, the, you know, life by design of like, you know, Take that time. You know, I think we we all forget to like take the actual time to take stock and realize like, you know, am I just waking up, going to work, going home and falling into a rhythm that's not even really serving me? Is it not even putting me on the path to where I want to be? And like taking stock and being like, cool, if I could design my life, what would it look like? Do I want to show up to an office? Some people like to show up to an office. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah, and some people like being in the city. You guys said this isn't sustainable. You need to be around nature. Well, for others, they like being in the city. They want to be right in the heart of Seattle, right in the heart of San Francisco, be in the Bay. Yeah. If that's your thing, then rock it. But like whatever that is, like get clear about it. And if you're if you're noticing, you know, that you're not um, I guess if you're if you're noticing that you're out of whack with yourself or incongruent with yourself in some way and you're like not happy with that area of life, like figure out what needs to change. Yeah. And figure out a path to get there or get a mentor that can help you but figuring that out is really key right because otherwise you just fall into the trap of just doing the same thing and it just like slowly getting depressed or slowly being like yeah not, this is not what i want to be doing it's so 100 yeah.
0: percent, man it's so easy to just go on autopilot and you know if you're not steering the ship more often than not someone's steering it for you and you're going to look back right. one day and be like where did the time go so right with you there man but let's bring yeah. it forward because you're yeah. working on some cool stuff today so you left king kong eventually what are you focused yeah. on with your company tiger blood love the name yeah
1: yeah thank you man i appreciate yeah. that so you know it, it kind of was birthed out of you know when you work you know i worked at an agency for so long and i was strategizing you know marketing campaigns for businesses and it just kind it of started weighing on me yeah. i've always had an entrepreneurial spirit and I was like, man, I'm not taking my own advice, which is sometimes the hardest advice to take is your own. But here I am telling people like, take this leap, go start your business, invest, do this. Here's how you market it. Here's how you grow it. And I'd see these people, these young people, a lot younger than me, there's a lot of incredible entrepreneurs out there, 18, 20, 20, young 20s going out there, pushing each other you know, taking risks. They're hungry. They're taking risks. And I'm like, man, like, I'm not taking my own advice. So it was starting to weigh on me a little bit. And I was like trying to figure out what 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 kind of business I should be starting. And, you know, it became clear that it's like, well, what are your strengths? Well, sales, you know, this is what I've been doing the last 15 plus years. Like maybe I ought to look at what I can do in sales. And I started looking at our clients, you know, and as in any, any agency, no matter how good you are, you're always going to have some amount of turnover. There's going to be clients that you work your butt off for. And for whatever reason, they don't stick around, you know, and even clients you're helping, get a return on their investment, right? That they'll still on occasion cancel because of this or that there's, there's things that can happen, but I started taking stock and, and asking our team, Hey, why did my client cancel? You know, I, this seemed like such a good fit. Like why did they cancel? Well, you know, they, they, we were generating good leads for them, but they weren't able to close them. So I started contacting, it was like a light bulb moment. I started contacting Whoa. my clients, right? I started contacting my clients that canceled being like, Hey, or they on the verge of canceling. I said, Hey, it sounds like things aren't going well hey, I'm, I want to help you guys. You know, I I believe in you guys. think you guys have a great product, great service or whatever, but let's figure out what's going on. Like, why aren't these leads converting? Can you send me some calls? Like, sure. You know, uh, you know, they weren't going to turn down some free, free advice there. Free advice. And I started You're kind kidding. of reviewing calls and it was clear to me, it, you know, when you have so many repetitions, I've had thousands and thousands of repetitions now on what a sales call, you know, what a, Optimal sales call looks like it was really easy for me to nitpick and be able to show them where things went wrong and help them restructure their calls. So I started doing that. Um, some of the clients were um, able to get back on track, and that was super rewarding. And then I started pitching it on the front end. I started, you know, winning deals. You know, here I am pitching a deal, and they have three other marketing agencies pitching them, but I'm differentiating myself because I'm giving them ridiculous amounts of value in addition, saying, "Hey, if you guys come on with us, not only do you get everything we've talked about." on the strategy side, but like, I'll also walk through and make sure you guys are closing these deals. And they were like, done. So that was really helping me on the on that side. And then it just got to a point where I'm like, you know, there's a business here. Yeah. Like, I should be charging for this. And, you know, there's really something here. And it became a passion. It became something that I was, it really lit me up. It was exciting and it was like the thing. So I ended up uh, one of the other guys on our team. Uh, he's also an American working in Australia at the time, uh, we, uh, he's down in orange County. We decided to do it together because he had kind of had a, he'd been doing some similar things with clients. And so we just decided, Hey, let's, let's go all in. And, uh, it was just this year, you know, we finally made the, you know, the move to Took go all in our business. Yeah. You know, as I call it just napalm, every safety net in our life,
0: burn it all,
1: burn, burn it the all. Boats. <laughs> Light it on fire, anything that's safe, just burn it and it took a lot of courage to kind of step out and do it. I mean, I wish I have sure done it. it did. I think a lot of entrepreneurs will agree. They wish you would have their biggest regret is not doing it sooner, but the time was right. Time was right. We made the move. Um, and I'll never look back. Like I'll never, you know, uh, for me, I'm just at a place now where I'm like, I couldn't imagine working for someone else. I love this process. Yeah. Uh, I think that the business is an extension of self. So it's really helped me to unpack how do I evolve and get better as a person? Cause it, your weaknesses as a person are going to show up in your business somehow, whether you like it or not. They're going to show up. Absolutely, I mean. So yeah, what? Do, go ahead. No, go ahead. So, yeah, so so what are we doing now? So so at Tiger Blood, we we coach uh, a lot of marketing agencies, not just marketing agencies, but we coach any business that has a sales team or a sales process or who wants a sales team. We help them either go out and find the right people and train those people, or we just review their current sales process refine it, rewrite it, restructure it, build out an SOP for their sales team, something that is uh, structured and congruent across their whole company so that they can follow, you know, a a more favorable, you know, a more likely favorable outcome to their sales calls. We help people close more deals. Replicate success. As simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. So we find if we can help people sell more deals, close at a higher rate, potentially increase, you know, their pricing as well. I find that a lot of our clients undersell, undervalue and undersell themselves just because that's kind of the first thing that comes to their mind when they want to win a deal is lowering the price instead of figuring out how to increase value. If we can do that, um, our clients are typically very happy.
0: Makes sense. And it's a beautiful yeah, founder story, man. I mean, nothing embodies the word, the term adventurous entrepreneur than, than that story. So <laughs> thank, you that, thank you for sharing Thank you for sharing
1: that.
0: And I want to talk sales. Cause I mean, that's, that's your expertise. So sure. If you're cool with it. I've got some questions.
1: I'm cool with it, man. We can, we can talk for the next three hours if you have time. <laughs> awesome.
0: <laughs> All right. So what are, what are like one or two things that you see people consistently getting wrong when it comes to sales? Even people that are you know really experienced, have had success, been in it for
1: years. Yeah. There's a number of things. So I would say for the really experienced sales reps. Cause we do coach a lot of organizations where the reps are actually very talented, yeah. very skilled. They have a lot of experience. The things that they typically miss out on are for a skilled person is setting a proper frame, a frame being like the upfront contract of the conversation of what kind of conversations about to be had and yeah. the boundaries of that conversation that seems to be skipped a lot. The other two critical ones that I noticed seem to be skipped over is buy-in from the prospect, urgency. So I just noticed most calls lack urgency. Um, And then I would even say that a lot of really experienced folks still don't grasp rapport. I think it's probably one of the most misunderstood parts of sales for whatever reason, I think it's because it's changed over time. So like the idea of rapport used to be, for example, like, so cool. So, Oh, you're in Bend. Okay, cool. How long have you lived there? Oh, do you have kids? Oh, cool. What do you guys like to do on the weekends? You know, and really rapport seems to be hyper-focused on these little connections that you have, Mm -hmm. which I'm not saying aren't important, but for me, like rapport is best described as trust and responsiveness from your prospect. That's what I define as rapport, trust and responsiveness from your prospect. And I think the way to really get that dialed in is to go deep with this person, really deep. And if you can, a good way to describe this or an example of this is if you can understand your prospect's problem at a deeper level than they do, just one, one example of deep rapport, then they automatically, they have a deep connection. They're like, man, this guy gets me like this dude gets me. So really understanding their deep desires and how it's going to impact them and the significance to their life around their goals. Those things, those things drive home a much deeper rapport, in my opinion, than surface level connections.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. Can you give me like an example of some of those I guess, probing questions would be how I would describe it in terms of building rapport and really getting that deep clarity to where you can yeah. articulate what it is before they've even really put it into words.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of laughing looking at myself on the camera right now because I'm looking a little sweaty. Um, just for <laughs> anybody watching, um, I thought I was really cool and I was going to install a Google Nest uh, smart thermostat because uh-huh. I rent out my house when I'm gone. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. I, uninst- I turned off the power I uninstalled my my thermostat. And I even like painted the wall since the nest is smaller. It looked all nice, waited for that to dry. I go to install the nest and I'm like, oh, that's weird. I got a couple of extra wires and I'm not an HVAC specialist. No. This isn't good. I start Googling it. It's like it's not compatible. So I uninstall it, put on the other face, flip on the power. And now I don't have AC. Sweet. So my house is pretty warm right now.
0: Yeah, it's um, getting it's
1: getting hot here in Ben this week. So. It's getting warm. <laughs> Not it's great timing. Warm. Yeah, <laughs> um, so I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's cool. Um, but yeah, some questions. So, you know, I think, you know, for the context of this, you know, you're, you're a marketing agency, you know, yeah. in B2B sales. I, I don't know, you know, if your audience is mostly in B2B or kind of a mix or whatever, but what I find in B2B sales is for whatever reason, it seems to be uncomfortable for people to connect emotionally. So we know that people buy emotionally and they justify logically, right? So if you're not getting into the emotions of your prospects, you're you're missing the biggest checkbox, you know, the the biggest thing to check off. And so some of the questions I like to ask is when I'm probing and I'm finding out someone's goal, you know, you might ask a question like, cool. So what kind of goals and objectives do you have this year? Like, what are you guys wanting to do with the business? Yeah. And they might say, oh, well, we want to double the business. We want to go from doing 500,000 this year to, to a million over the next 12 months. And you're like, well, okay. You know, that's a great goal. Awesome. So help me understand, like, what's the significance of that? Well, what do you mean? Well, what, what would actually change if you guys were able to do that? Oh, man. Well, well, if we if we could do that, I mean, I could, you know, put my kids through you know, private school, you know, we want to be able to do some more trips. Um, you know, okay, what kind of trips, but get really dive into what is that significance? That's, that's my key. Like, if you want to write this down, anyone that's watching this, like, as soon as you ask that goal question, you need to ask, why is that significant to you? And it's the adding in that little to you at the end that personalizes it, and it opens the door to making an, an emotional question. And so now they're sharing things about their personal life, and why that's important to them. The importance of getting into that with them is now there's now there's a connection outside of just financial goal, a business objective. Now there's something that is really creating a why for them, a strong why, which is going to help you when you go to close this deal because now there's some natural instilled urgency. Like, man, I'm starting to connect this future reality with what this guy is potentially offering us. right And we call that cognitive dissonance, right? Where, you have a prospect who's in this world, they're living this way, this is what their life looks like, but they really want to be here. And that's cognitive dissonance in the brain. It's where you're not congruent with where you want to be. And so your job as the salesperson is to connect those things, is to bridge the gap and show them how not only they'll get to their future reality if they can work with you. Again, it's worth noting, like only if you can actually genuine help them, genuinely help them. If you can't, you need to shoot them straight. But if you can show them how to get there and you have the ability to. Like, it's your duty and obligation to figure out a way to get this person to get going so you can help them achieve their dreams. The other part of that not to be skipped is it's really important that you show them how they'll never get there by not executing. And it's not like, hey, you're never going to achieve this if you don't work with us. It's like, hey, you're never going to achieve that if you don't do something and it needs to look like this. This is the most probable strategy to help you get there. It's not guaranteed. But like, this is the, this is going to give you the best opportunity to get there. This is exactly what you need to do. This is exactly what it looks like and help them understand that. It's not just about getting to the, that place. It's about what happens if they don't. So if, to me, I look at the emotional side of it being checked off. I'm kind of moving fast. Is this making no, sense? No, this is
0: good. No, this is gold. Keep going. So, <laughs> so
1: the, the emotional boxes I look to check are, I want to check the emotional side of their goals. But I also want to check the emotional side of what happens if they don't get there. Some of the emotional triggers of not getting there could be frustration, despair, you know, those types of things. And it's important to label those feelings to the prospect as well. If they can label, if they can see that they may end up feeling despair, or they may feel like they're going to have to cut employees, you know, no one wants to cut employees, but if they're, if they're, I'll give you an example. If a client says, Yeah, I really want to get to a million dollars. And you're like, okay, awesome. Why is that significant? You dive into that. Then you start asking, well, what's stopping you from getting there? What kind of growth have you been on? What's your trajectory been like? Has it been up and down? Has it been up? Yeah, you know, honestly, the last six months we've gone backwards. Okay. So now this is a good opportunity to unpack that and add a time consequence where you're like, cool. So I know this is a tough question. This is a priming question when you ask that. So I know this may be a tough question or, hey, maybe, maybe this is a weird question, but I have curiosity. You know, if you guys have been really do- going on a nosedive these last six months, like, what do you think things are going to look like in your business in another six months if nothing changes? Oh, well, yeah. And you can hear them, you know, you'll hear the tone drop and it's really hitting. And that's when you know you're connecting with this person, which going back to rapport, that's do you important. see why rapport is so important? Yeah. Because people aren't going to open up to you if you're not someone that is trustworthy. And if someone who's a, a trusted advisor, someone that they really see as a professional, right? Like I'm not going to open up to you if you haven't really portrayed or showed me that you're somebody that I can open up to. So it's important to be able to be there and detach yourself from the outcome to to really show up in this way for them. But so once you start going through that and you help them to see that they're not getting there, some some good things to maybe add to that is you know give them an example of another client you've worked with. Simply by saying, yeah, look, I've actually had a similar conversation with a number of other of our clients and kind of the feeling that that's come up for them when they think about, Hey, what, you know, letting go of this employee, like you mentioned might have to happen is that it's over, it's very overwhelming. You know, it can be very frustrating or it can be even, even a feeling of despair comes up to them. Like, does that resonate with you? And you'll, you'll notice that people are typically very honest about that when you've hit that. And they'll be like, and there's like a big sigh of relief. Like this dude gets me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Cool. So when do you want to fix this? You know? So why now? Like, why do you want to, why do you want to do something about this now? And that's the urgency aspect. Well, it's now or never. We can't take this on for another six months. We really need to do something. Okay. And then, so once I impact that, that's when I actually get into walking through how I can help them. I don't even go over how I can help them until I actually know that there's somebody that I can help, that they actually have a problem and they actually have urgency. And then I simply ask their permission. Hey, is it cool if I walk you through how I think we can get you out of this? Is it cool if I walk you through a strategy that I think is going to be able to turn this thing around? Is that cool?
0: Yeah. Get permission.
1: Get permission. Yeah. And that sets the stage for a really great opportunity. And I don't spend too much time on the presentation even honestly i keep it really simple but just give it to them in the simplest way and walking them through exactly how you can help them why you think it's going to work why it makes more sense than anything else that they could possibly do for their business and how how you're going to be able to get started to do it you know take them along for that ride
0: yeah i love it and most people have not been sold to in that way because of conversations are price driven and they're just like, okay, what are you, what are you trying to sell me? So when you take that time to really dig down deep to the core of what they're trying to accomplish and what they're trying to avoid, you're building that authority based on trust at a level that most have never experienced before. So yeah, if everything else, you've just set yourself up. Yeah. There's so much more fuel. there. Yeah.
1: There's a lot more fuel there there's there's more reason for them to move and do something because it's scary to hire a new company. You got to yeah. understand that in your prospects. You got to be risk. in their shoes and understand risk. that there's a perceived risk there. It's scary to them. And you have to get them to realize that the risk of doing nothing, doing nothing is a decision. Not yeah. giving me an answer is a decision. And getting them to realize that not doing anything is much riskier than them stepping out and trying something new is, is where I think a lot of the magic, you know, happens in that sale. And it's just, it's just so interesting, man. Cause I, you know, I'm at a point now where I have listened to thousands of other sales reps calls, you know, and I've heard all these other pitches and then I will jump on and critique and help them coach them through these. And, you know, for me, I find that, you know, it's a good metaphor is a spotlight. You know, it's like when you're talking, the spotlight is on you. When they're talking, the spotlight is on them. And um, in a consultative cell like that, if you're the one doing all the talking, like if you're spending 70% of the call talking and you're just pitching your ass you doing off, it wrong. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. And it's just wild how many companies do that. They get on the call and they're like, cool. So I have a presentation plan. I have all these slides. I'm going to walk you through everything. And then, you know, if you have any questions, ask me at the end. And it's just like, you can just see the customer the prospect just check out. And then they actually have complete control of the call too. And you've now just commoditized yourself because now they're like, okay, well, what does it cost? What does it look like? How quick do you guys work? Now they're interviewing you and it's really needs to be the other way around. Yeah, hundred percent.
0: You want to interview them to make sure it's the right fit on your end, even more mm-hmm. than if they're the right fit, Right. If the right fit for them. A, a really good... Ways.
1: I think something that was a light bulb moment for me. It was actually only this year I was reading a book that is not even a sales book, but it was a guy and he was talking about self-development and this and that. What's the and book? Was, it is called Who Um Who Not Who Not How? Who Not yeah. How? Yeah, Who no, not how good Really good book. Um, it's all about like you know, instead of asking your, your like yourself the question of like, how can I do this? Or how can I double my business? Or how can I write a book this year? it It reframes the question to who can help me write a book. So it's like all about framing of framing of questions that puts the right people in your life. Really incredible book. But he shared a concept that was always be the buyer. And I was like, hmm, I've heard of like framing sales and like, you know, like, kind of flipping the script as Warren Claff would say, but I really loved the metaphor of always be the buyer. So as a seller, if I'm selling you a marketing service right now, you can tell me no, right? Cause I'm selling it to you. But if I flip the script and I'm the buyer and I'm assessing your fit to come into my agency, the reality is, is my team's got to deal with you. You know, I used to joke all the time. It's like, we have a no asshole policy. Like, are you good to work with? And people usually give a good chuckle. You yeah. know it's a little risky, um, but okay. but I gotta know your I audience. Say, but... <laughs> gotta know your audience, but I I just love you know using that terminology. because People usually get a good chuckle. They're like, no, no, I'm easy to work with, and they'll they'll they 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 feel an obligation to convince you that they're someone that's easy to work with, and it's really critical to do that because yeah. you're getting their buy in. You're you're getting some upfront contracts from them that they're going to show up in the right way and treat your team right as you know, running a team, right? It's like you have to fire nightmare clients. That's the reality. So the reality is, is you do become the buyer as soon as you bring them on anyways, because now you do have an option to let this person go if they're not living up and they're not treating your team right. So you do that on the front end and you be the buyer at all times. And it really creates a good framework, you know, for the sales process.
0: I love that, man. (laughs) I was going to ask, like what are what are two to three small but powerful things that anyone can incorporate into their sales process? But you already covered a bunch of them. But I would add if you have anything, like I can rip. Is there brother. anything? Oh, I know you can rip. Is there anything leading up to a call or in the follow up after a call that is small and easy to do, but can make a huge difference? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So first off, like there's an old saying, like the fortunes in the follow-up. It, it's very yeah, true. Very true. You know, for whatever reason, I notice a lot of companies have zero follow-up or or such a simple follow-up that it's like, hey, you know, uh, Roger, great speaking with you. Uh, just following up on the proposal I sent through, you know, and a lot of people watching this are going to be like, yeah, I've done that. You know, heck, mm-hmm. I, I've done it myself. Heck, I've done that. Know? Yeah. <laughs> right. We've all done it. It's just, it's kind of like the most natural thing to do. Yeah. So for me, there's really two there's two critical things when following up. There's more, but here's two big ones. Number one, make sure that you always have a follow-up set. So for me, if I'm if I have a great call with you, right? And you're obviously someone who's checked all the boxes, I'm not going to send a proposal to someone who hasn't checked all my boxes. It's a waste yeah. of time. And one of my boxes would be price, you know, floating some, even if even if you have a very complex pricing model at least giving them a window and checking with them. Hey, how does that sit with you? Is that, is that kind of budgetable to you guys? Is that, where are we at? Cause if it's completely out of whack, then be like, Hey, thanks for your time. And it's, you know, you know, I, you know, this is where we're at. So it looks like we're on different levels. It's all good, but Hey, and maybe give them a game plan. Don't just end it. Okay. You don't have the money Bang. maybe get a little bit of a game plan. Well, Hey, look, I'd love to work with you. So let's get a bit of a game plan. Like what needs to happen for you guys to be able to have this kind of money set aside, take that extra step but let's say they check all the boxes and you're going to send a proposal to me. It's it. I trying to think of the word for it, but like um, it's irresponsible. I would say, I would go as far as it's irresponsible to say, okay, cool. Well, TJ, I'll send you a proposal. Um, and then when you get that, you know, let's get another time together and we'll schedule another call. Yeah. 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 Like for me, it's like you schedule a call when you're on the phone with that person and you know, Your times it's important to recognize your time is valuable. Yes, theirs is too, but yours is as well. Like you're both of your time, you have to respect your own time enough to demand that. And if they say they can't commit to a time, then you're like, cool. Well, look, um, in order for me to put together a proposal, like for me, I'm not going to put one together unless I have a time set for me because I don't want this to go off into the abyss. So if you guys aren't quite ready to do that, that's cool. There's no pressure to do that. But if you guys want a proposal, this is how. I do it, you know, and I've had to wrestle some prospects. It can get a little uncomfortable, but staying in that uncomfortable zone and knowing your boundaries and sticking to them will reward you far more than just going, okay, fine. I'll just send it. And then you get ghosted. Yeah. And it
0: sets the right expectations for when you do move forward. Like you're building a clear communication and authority process. Like this is how we do things. And if, if that doesn't work, that's okay. Yeah, it's totally yeah, you cool. You can't
1: make anyone do anything, but you can set demands and set what your expectations are. And they can either fall in line with those, or if they don't want to play ball, then that's fine. We'll just, we'll, we'll pull the plug. Yeah. You know? So number one, setting an appointment, getting it firm, locked in. The second one is when you follow up, follow up with value. It's in humor. I love following up with value and humor. Yeah. But it's just, it's a simple thing is instead of, you know, saying, hey, you know, just checking in, did you get the proposal? It's like, hey, Robert, awesome speaking with you the other day. Hey, you know, when we got off the phone, I thought about it a little bit, and I think I missed something. You know, I was looking at this, and anyways, love to share with you what I found. Create some mystery, create some intrigue, but let them know that you've found some other things that would create value. Another one, a really great one for marketing agencies is, hey, awesome speaking with you. You know, I, I was putting together a proposal, but you know, I chatted with our internal team. I was looking over some strategy. We actually looked at another client that's in a similar boat as you, and there was actually a couple other things that we did differently than what I proposed to you. Love to share those with you on our next chat. Yeah. And these little things like really create a, a good bond for them to not ghost you on the next call because now there's something in it for them to jump on. It's not just like, great, well, I have this meeting Tuesday and this brock guy's gonna try and close me. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, there's more coming to them. So it's a really simple thing, um, but for reengaging people like if you if someone has ghosted you and you can't get them on and values not doing it use humor you know create you know throw out a a a gif or throw out some meme and make a joke behind it i mean it's it's sounds silly and super it works simple, but but it <laughs> may works, not work man. all
0: the time but it does work
1: it does work more often than not so yeah. i think just being creative in your follow up is huge
0: yeah i couldn't agree more man All right. A little bit of a segue now. So in prep for this, you sent me a quote that Pablo Picasso famously said, which is the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. Can you elaborate on what that has meant for you and what someone who may be listening to this and who is searching for that sense of direction should ask themselves to ultimately find that right path?
1: Yeah, I love that quote. It's a great quote. So, you know, I had a friend recently be like, you know, I'm not super stoked with my job. And I just, you know, I really, I want to start a business, but I just don't know really what to do. I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure what my business would even be, but I just feel like I need to do something more fulfilling. And I shared that quote with him. And there's an exercise on the back of that. You know, I had a good mentor walk me through this and it really catapulted this business, okay. you know, which is you know, take a pen and paper and write down three things that you are world-class at. You know, what are you, what are your gifts? What are you world-class at? And get really clear. Like, what are my skills? And honestly, if you don't have many, if you don't have a lot of life experience, then that's also a good indicator to go learn a skill. Go start learning skills. Go, go find some new skills that excite you, that are interesting to you and, and build up skills. Because it's going to be hard to create a business if you if you don't have any passions or skills. But um, for most, I think they can sit down and get clear about some things that they. It could be, um, you know, that I'm really great at reading other people and energies, and it could be like, you know, I have a great depth of emotional uh, intelligence and ability to understand others. It could be I'm great at building relationships. It could be I'm great at recruiting people. It could be I'm great at sales. It could be I'm a great you know, a uh, copywriter or whatever it is though, but get clear about those things, write out three ideally. And then the next thing you want to write out is how can I get this into more people's hands today? What action can I take today? Not tomorrow, but what action can I take today to get this out into more people's hands? Um, and I think if you hold yourself accountable, because it's it's likely going to be something that's scary to you.
0: Oh, if yeah. it wasn't
1: scary, you'd already be doing it. And it should be me, scary. I'll be very vulnerable on this. For me, I recognize through that process that I need to be doing more podcasts. I understand not everyone's going to resonate with my message. Not everyone might even agree with some of my sales strategies, but I know there will be also a lot of others out there that will. And if I don't have a voice and if I don't push myself out of my comfort zone to show up to something like this, then I, I risk not really being able to touch anyone. I risk not having a voice and just being a great idea that's left, you know, secret you don't want to be the best kept secret yeah. you know have a voice get get your creative i think there's a lot of great things that come from tapping into your creative side of yourself and really like figuring out a way to get your message out there but yeah i think that exercise like played a big role in kind of lighting a bit of a fire to like okay so now what do i need to do to get out there
0: yeah and it's simple like anyone can do that but yeah it's scary so i commend you to For your follow-through. I mean, jumping on a podcast, it it's still intimidating, even though I've done 35 of these. Anytime I get on someone else's podcast, I'm always nervous for it. I'm always second guessing myself what value do I have to give? But you know, like you said, man, not everyone's gonna resonate with your message. But you know, I can say you've provided so much value here today. Anyone that listens to this is gonna walk away with some golden nugget that they can go and apply. So appreciate keep, that. keep down the path. And yeah. it's a good, good lead in here as well to, you know, something I want to touch on because, well, so let's just paint a picture here. You're in the thick of starting a new business and yeah. starting a business is tough, like, like really, really tough. You're going to fail and you're going to learn more in the first six months, 12 months of going out. Yeah on your own than probably any other time in your career. So as someone who is in the thick of that right now and doing the scary things, pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, what's been one of the biggest learning curves for you and what lessons or or takeaways have you had come out of that?
1: Yeah. Oh man. Um, so many, so many. Um, I think I talked a little bit about it earlier, but, um, you know, your, your business is really an extension of self. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. So like to become a better entrepreneur, which I am very early on my journey, but to, to improve our service, to improve as a business, like I need to continually work on myself, you know, and you really just don't become who you want to be. You become who you show yourself to be. So how are you showing up in your life every day? I'm not perfect by any means, but I do know what's congruent with self. I do know when I'm showing up in my power and when I'm being my best version of myself, I know what that feels like. I know what that frequency feels like. And I know what actions lead me to that. So something for me is like, you know, again, extension of self. So your physical, you know, even your physical being, it's like, if you're, you know, not really showing up in, and and you know building your health I think it's easy to not have energy at work and not to be in the right frequency so for me it's like my typical daily routine is like I wake up and give to self so it's like a very this is a very simple thing but just daily habits so it's like for me it's like you know before I check my phone in the morning you know I do 20 minutes really 30 minutes 30 30 to 45 minutes of meditation is kind of my minimum like but 20 at the very, but 30 to 45 minutes of meditation. I think we all know meditation is important. We all have read about it and someone's told us it's good for you, but really practicing it every day. It is a superpower. It's, it's really critical. Um, and I think it's also just the act of giving to self before you give to others, before you check your inbox and you're already upset about an email that came through, like just first sending yourself, do some meditation. It really raises your frequency. I think we all can agree that, you know, uh, like high achievers operate at a different frequency. They're operating at a higher level. So that's your first kind of step to doing so. The second one is doing something physically difficult. So for me, it's like 100 burpees, non-negotiable, you know, every day. I hit 100 burpees after the meditation and I usually go for a run. You know, typically for me right now, it's been a three mile loop. So nothing too crazy, you know, and for you. That's all you need though. For for someone listening, if they're like, I can't run three miles, we'll start, start by walking, you know, start by walking and running, to get to a mile or whatever it is, but just getting something going, um, I notice the difference immediately. Like my frequency just shifts as soon as I get that done. Yeah, so right. those are the non-negotiables for me. Um, I think just doing doing something hard, like the burpees, aren't even about the burpees. I'm not saying, hey, do 100 burpees because it's like the perfect, you know, yeah. workout. It, it's for about doing something that sucks. Like I don't want to do it. I hate it. I gotta embrace I
0: the suck sometimes.
1: I, I hate it, right? But just yeah. doing something really hard you know, I think is, uh, is really powerful because then everything else, you know, comes easy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Once you've done and you've built up a habit of doing the hard things, the things that you don't want to do consistently, that's when it just, it starts to click things fall into place. Cause you're continuing to put yourself in those uncomfortable situations where the growth happens, where the opportunities lie, where the value truly is. I know for me, Today, I came back from this long weekend trip. I did just jump straight into my inbox this morning. I didn't do my morning workout like I normally would. I didn't do my kind of morning routine, which is a little blend of meditation and just like kind of setting my space. Like I I compulsively clean. It is kind of a meditative practice for me. So like Mm -hmm. I'll make sure the dishes are done and just everything's good for the day. Like that way, I don't have to come in and be interrupted by it later and I didn't do that this morning and yeah. my frequency feels low. I do not feel optimal, yeah. And I yeah. know that's a sign that tomorrow I need to get back yeah. on the horse and do the right. Which is thing.
1: great, right? Like you need yeah. those days where you miss like my hit rate. I don't know if it's 85 or 95%. Like my hit rate's good, but I have days where I mess it up and I feel it. You feel it. But I think it's important to get into a good habit where you are, because then when you're out of frequency, you can recognize it and you're now in control. I think- I think for me, for far too long, I would go in and out of a good frequency. And and when you're in it, you're like, okay, let's make hay while the sun shines. But (laughs) you're oblivious to what actually got you into that flow, right? And I think like recognizing the things that trigger that good flow for you are important because now you know tomorrow what you need to do and you'll be right back in it. But imagine imagine feeling like that today and being like, why am I feeling off? You know, like that's a problem right? Yeah, the problem know. is feeling off and not knowing what to do about it. It's not a problem if you know what you need to do about it and then you act on it. And the other thing I'd add to that is just um, doing the thing that scares you. I know we talked about that a couple of times, but like yeah. usually when, when I notice people that are like, man, I'm just like not sure what to do next in my business. Like, I'm not sure like, you know, like a, I just feel like we hit a lull or feel like, you know, we're just kind of like at a standstill. It's like, what are you putting off right now? What's that? What's that scary thing that you're putting off? Like, what's the scary thing that you're avoiding right now? I don't know. We'll think about it. Yeah. Feel, feel it. Like, what is it? And it never fails. There's always something that we could be doing that we're not, that we're avoiding. And if you can make a commitment to go attack that thing, it just changes your frequency. Like it snaps you right back into it. And you're like, cool. That's what I was avoiding doing.
0: Yeah. Weight lifted. And again, yeah. it's like when you can do that consistently, it's not just one step after another, it creates that exponential effect that's going to yeah. ripple into everything else that you do. Yeah. So. Which
1: reminds me, we need to go on a run.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Run let's, and... let's get one in this week. That sounds let's good. And that's yeah. a good, good place for us to, to transition here. So I think I teed this up. I did tee it up at the beginning. I have a choose your own adventure question. And you can pick okay. which one you'd like or both if you so desire. So first would be, what's your favorite place you've traveled to, visited in the past few years, five years, whatever. Or what is a recent adventure that you went on? And in either case, like, what was it like? What made it so memorable? Did you learn something, favorite meal or drink you had? Give us give us a story if something comes to mind.
1: Yeah, sure. I would say a uh, recent place that I've enjoyed um Actually, uh, Colombia. Have you been mm. to Medellin?
0: Yeah, you have been. No, no, I haven't been, but now? it's on my list. Yeah,
1: it's something's in the air. Something's in the air there, man. It's special. Like nice. it's just, it's just like a land of abundance. You know, you just like every cafe is just all really cool and has like trees growing in it. It's just like nice. it's a very green, like luscious. I feel like invigorating place, and it just is energizing to be there like they joke like guys that when they go there like they get a median glow you know yeah. like there's a glow that happens when you go down there it's just a beautiful place and you know I haven't done like a you know like an extensive amount of traveling all over the world but I've been to a number of places and it just seems to be the one place that's consistently beautiful top to bottom there's no part of Colombia where you're like oh there's a random it desert This sucks. Like everything is gorgeous. Like everything is beautiful. Like the beaches, the mountains, the coffee regions, just everything. So that's my spot, man. I've spent, I spent about six months there last year and I spent about five months there uh, the year before. So that's kind of my, that's my go-to.
0: Cool, man. Well, it's definitely been on my radar for a long time. So
1: And it's great, man. I I have a buddy of mine who always jokes, you know, you go for the women and you stay for the boys. Yeah. (laughs) And I just find that to be hilarious. But, you know, the people are beautiful there. Um, But uh, there's such great community. There's a lot of like minded traveling entrepreneurs there. A really good hub of really motivated, um, awesome entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial uh, spirit there. So great, great community there as well.
0: Right on. Well, actually, we've we've been talking more now that COVID, I mean, obviously, it's still a thing, but getting back out there, my wife and I, our goal has always been to travel and work remotely for a couple months here and there throughout the year. So we've yeah. been looking for good places where we're still on, you know, central time zone, easy to to connect and work with with my clients yeah. and with her team that's got that hub. It's got people that are connected and and doing their their thing and traveling so yeah yeah medellin
1: might be a good might be a good spot check it out cool awesome
0: man well what what ask challenge or, or parting advice do you have for for people listening before we wrap up and ask where they can find you on socials and all that good stuff
1: yeah um I would I would say like I, you know I kind of if if you follow me on Instagram you hear me like kind of beat this to a pulp but I I think authenticity is a superpower that's at the core of what I teach so you know like if, if, if when I'm working with companies like yes I'll, I'll I'll say the the what to say how to say it you know tonality we'll get into the technical aspects of sales but to me it's like really finding out how to sell authentically and being at the core yourself on a call has. I think it's a superpower. I think it's the thing that really will allow you to go to the next level in sales. So that's my parting advice is tap into your authenticity Yeah. and you'll, you'll notice the biggest changes, the biggest shifts in your sales just by doing that. Then all the other technical stuff, people want to deal with somebody that is themselves, you know, not putting on a show or a presentation.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I know for me, that has been Hundred percent true because I've learned from some great salespeople. I've I've been shadowed and and I mirrored things, and when I was trying to do it, you know, by design, following their way, their recipe, mm-hmm. their script, it doesn't yeah. feel authentic, and it doesn't, doesn't come off authentic. Yeah, and
1: yeah, you kind of have so to start weird. there, right? Like you cool. do you need do. to kind of have building blocks. You kind of have to okay, first kind of fumble through and, and, and be the robot reading the script. But as soon as you can, as soon as you're able to break free from that, like that's... Yeah, that's that's
0: crazy. when things really started to click for me. So yeah.
1: But you can find us on Instagram, you know, tigerblood.io. You can find us on um, LinkedIn. I think it's just tigerblood.io on there as well. Or even on TikTok, believe it or not. I don't Ooh. ever get on there, but the, top, <laughs> the content's going. If you're a TikToker, get on there. Um, and Facebook.
0: Awesome.
1: Well, we'll drop drop links to everything. Yeah, that's the URL as well. So easy to find.
0: Easy to find. We'll drop links in the show notes to everyone listening. And man, I'm gonna come back and listen to this whole thing and take notes because there's golden nuggets in here for sales for life. Just so much goodness. So I appreciate appreciate you, Brock. We'll have to do it do it again soon because we just scratched the surface here. So
1: hey, anytime, man. Anytime. Awesome. Pleasure. Yeah. I enjoyed
0: it. To all of our adventurous listeners. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Please be sure to subscribe, download and share this on social media or with someone, you know, will get some value from it. Leaving a review goes a long way in helping people find the show. And I personally appreciate reading them when they come in. So please go drop one. If you have the time, we'll see you all next week. And remember, whether we're talking about business or the things that bring us joy outside of work, life is meant for exploring. So go out there and live it one adventure at a time.